This episode of Echoes in the Bones is brought to you by the Institute of Cultural Policy and Innovation, ICPI. ICPI, providing services in business development and coaching. ICPI, leaders in online training in event planning and intellectual property. Visit our website today at www.icpi-ja.com. On this episode of Echoes in the Bones, we continue our conversation with legendary writer, journalist, and music historian, Julian Jingles Reynolds. So we, 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 we hit up a good friendship, and they accepted me because they could identify with who I am and how I behave, and it wasn't a problem. So we, 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 we spent a lot of time in downtown Kingston, uh, and that is why I, 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 I speak so fervently about Orange Street, Beat Street, being what it is, because I remember in the breaking out days of the music, of the reggae music, it all happened in downtown Kingston. It, it was along Beat Street, Orange Street, that we would gather um, the record stores. There were like at least a dozen record stores on, 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 along Orange Street, Beach Street. And, and it was really like the Mecca. It was the Mecca of the burgeoning reggae music industry. And I was fortunate to be present to record that. And that is why until this day, I still have a strong relationship with those who are still here. A lot of them have gone on. But that's really how I really became that keen on the music industry as an industry that the, 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 the working class people, because don't hesitate or doubt, reggae music is given birth to by the Jamaican working class, particularly the urban working class people of Kingston. That, that's really what drove the reggae music. A lot of them originated in, in, in the rural areas, but because of the social dynamics of the time, they would all come to Kingston seeking a better life. And so they ended up, a lot of them in the music, like it's, it's recorded in that, that, that great movie, The Harder They Come. It really tells the true story of the social evolution of Kingston and how the whole music and what it, it, it gave, gave birth to. How, just describe the, the day interview there. Um, it, it wasn't one interview. It, wasn't, it, it was not done over one day. Okay, so tell us about that process. Well, I would visit them, at, because remember I was writing the record shop column at the time, which really was about the recording industry, the people who were the producers who were putting on records weekly, because they put out dozens, maybe hundreds of records a week, were put out by several producers. And it was my job to go to them to find out what releases were coming out. And that came out in Record Shop. So that was a plus in terms of me being accepted by those who were making the music. I was giving prominence to the recording artist. And uh, it, we, we, we would visit, I would visit them, we spent time, and we would 
talk about different things. I would, you know, record it. And like I said, they enjoyed my company because I could hit a chillum pipe with them, <laughs> whatever we were together. That made me more, I, I wasn't putting it on. I mean, I was enjoying being with them and reasoning about all kinds of topics because that, that, that's the, the influence of Rastafari as it impacted me. Even before I went to work to the gleaners, visiting you know, herb camps and Rastafari camps in East Kingston mainly, I would be exposed to that kind of a liberty. And I took that with me into the profession as a journalist. And so people like Bob Marley and the Whalers and the others, you know, would really understand and find me more acceptable to them. And they would talk to me. It was a beautiful time with Whalers, really. I later on discovered that one of the feature articles that I did, uh, I, I, I didn't know it until years after he died, came out on the birthday of Bob. The, the, the article was published on the 6th of February. I think it was 1970. And it was his birthday. And I could just imagine him seeing an article, whether the first or the second one, about he and his group, him and his group, coming out on his birthday. How unusual was it for an article like that to come out about a working class Jamaican musician that he, the music that he was, was, was recording and presenting was not even respected by the people who represented the Gleaner? Yeah, true. Uh, I, I think to, uh, to give them some credit, there was some vision on the part of, like, the editors who recognized what I had to bring, the value that I had to bring, because people all over Jamaica were reading my columns from the responses that they were getting and, you know, letter writing in and phone calls and what have you. They were really, and you have to give them credit to realize that there was an audience, a bigger audience out there that my writings would be appealing to. It was not common, it was very uncommon. Uh, there were one or two other writers a year or two before me, but they were not writing as much in depth in terms of the whole social economic aspect of from whence the music was coming. I mean, that was really what I, in terms of my understanding of the political dynamics coming out of the household that I was in, because like I said, my, my, my father and my mother always talked about labor and, and, and the rights of workers. And then my uncle being a Cuban, I was told about the whole Cuban revolution and all of that. So I was groomed. I, I was, you know, brought up in those ways to understand and I took that with me into what I was doing in terms of the entertainment music industry mm -hmm. and I think those are the qualities that they saw in me yeah. that made it register. So tell me some more groundbreaking because that, that, that Mali I would consider a groundbreaking piece of work. So you name some of the other artists that you wrote about if you can remember. 
Yeah, I, I was very fond of the hip tones. Uh, I was very fond of the quality of the music that the groups were putting out then because this was the heights of rock steady. And as you, as an ethnomusicologist, who understand the dynamics of the Jamaican music, some of the very best music that Jamaica has put out came from the Rocksteady era. Some of the very best music, the vocal quality, the harmony, the melody. So groups like the Techniques, the Melodians, the Uniques, or the Heptones, like I said, the Wailers. I, I concentrated a lot on getting those stories. I did music like uh, uh, one of the very first feature article I wrote was on uh, the great Hopton Lewis, may his soul rest in peace. He was considered at that time Mr. Rocksteady, Hopton Lewis, my neighbor in Rollington Town, a friend, Vic Taylor, you know, I, I, I did articles on them, Alton Ellis, uh, John Holt, uh, Delroy Wilson, great artist, not given due respect. Uh, Delroy Wilson is a Jamaica like what Stevie Wonder is to America in terms of the age and the quality that they bring to the Jamaica uh, music scene. So those are the things that I, I, I gravitated towards in to yeah. terms of right to bring out. Uh, and really, without even maybe too much consciously doing it, recognize that really what I was doing was to let the readers understand that this was coming from them. This was not coming anymore from England or from the United States. Yeah, U.S. influence to a less extent, because U.S. always had an influence on Jamaican culture, uh, music in particular, always. But um, this was now Jamaican-born. And like I said, it was for me to... You, I, I was really driven by the things that people of Jamaican, like for example, one of the first articles I wrote, feature, was on Dr. Sam Street, who was then the chief medical officer of Jamaica. Um, these are people, Rex Netterford, Barry Chavans. Uh, I, I, I ended up having the, the university beat at one time. I, I covered the university <laughs> at West Indies because things were happening there. I was looking to identify things that Jamaicans, a, a, a newly birthed country, so to speak, independent Jamaica, had their people putting out. So hence I, I gravitated to people like, as I said, Sam Street, Kapo, Malika Reynolds, you know, Neckford, and so on and so forth, Trevor Roan. And I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed doing it. And, and I, I really appreciated the response. I, I remember, <laughs> I always remember, and I like to tell this, this, this joke. I remember back in the uh, early, early to mid 70s, when I, I had now moved from early 70s, uh, I left Jamaica in 72 to live in the United States. And I remember going to, uh, I was in a post office in Brooklyn on Church Street. Church Avenue, yeah, yeah. Church Avenue. And uh, somebody from the area who knew me and they called, said, Julian Jingles. And 
as I left, the post office, a young man came up to me and I said, is you, you Julian Jingles? And I said, yeah, I said, me, you the man called me. I said, boy, I always think it was an old man, you know, a big, <laughs> big man Because I started so early and they were reading so much of what I was doing that he just had it in him and said that this cat had was to be much older than who I am now seeing. I wonder if he's so real. But it, it was all good, you know, I, 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 and, and I'm, I'm happy. Um, it gives me the, the whole courage and the inspiration to continue doing as like what I'm doing now in downtown Kingston uh, in terms of getting the powers that be to recognize the importance of downtown Kingston as a cultural tourism destination. Yeah. It, it, is, it is of absolute importance. You touch on something. You mentioned earlier that Orange Street and downtown Kingston was really the, the Mecca. heartbeat and Mecca yeah. of the, of the of music, the industry. music industry. industry. Similar to Beale Street of course. in Memphis, yes. Denmark yeah. Street in London, yeah. Yeah. And, and Bourbon and in New Orleans. Bourbon, Bourbon Street yeah. in New Orleans. Yeah. So Orange Street, Beale Street. Yeah. That? That center. Yeah. Why is there this lack of recognition of it, and why is there so much emphasis on other areas, say like for instance Trenchtown, yet you don't hear the same kind of focus on Eastern Kingston and, and Downtown Kingston, where most of the musicians come from 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 East. Yeah. Why? Why? Why not? Just look at it in a collective way and say, these are the different areas that the thing come from. Instead of trying to focus on one area because some of the greats that come from that area. I, 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 I really and truly think that it is a legacy of colonialism and neocolonialism. It's really the legacy. Um, it's a classist attitude. It's a classist approach. In that even now, even now, and we are grateful to have in Jamaica a Minister of Culture and Entertainment who grew up in West Kingston in industry. And that's a big plus for what is happening in Jamaica today. A lot more should have been done and could have been done if that less neo-colonialist classes attitude was taken. Uh, what it is, is that the powers that be really do not respect and appreciate. My father always told me this as a child, always, that one of the major problems that Jamaica has is that he called them the guinegogs, the ruling elite, the ruling class in Jamaica, have no respect for the working man in Jamaica. And anything that comes from them, is always that is why reggae music had suffered for so long to really come to the fore. It was until foreigners, particularly those in Europe, who discovered what reggae music meant to them, uh, African and uh, now South American all over. Don't forget the the the, the, the immigrants, Jamaican, o West Indian immigrants in, abroad. O o absolutely, big big selling point. The drive of that. The drive of that, and if that didn't happen, then the people here who really make the, the policies and what have you would not have really admitted to the, the reality of really what it is and what's happening. And then, because it really is emerging from the working class, 
it's like the value is not really appreciated. Uh, how on earth, how on earth can you have a place like Kingston? As the documentary film we are now doing, Respect You. There are five popular genres of music that came out of Kingston, you know. Five. Some will say more. Not popular. Other music. Yeah. But not, I'm, I'm talking about popular music in terms of accepted, uh, beginning with Mento, because for me, Mento, which is Calypso, mm -hmm. is the first popular music of Jamaica. There are other music before then, very important. But as popular music, Mento, Ska, Rocksteady, Reggae, Dancehall, as we know it today, came out of Kingston over a period of 70 years. Between the 50s to now is 70 years. And Kingston, Jamaica has given the world five popular genres of music, including two iconic superstars. The first one being Harry Belafonte in the 50s. Belafonte was the first black entertainer, recording artist that sold a million albums, you know. One million albums for RCA, it is recorded. A title of the album was Calypso was done by Belafonte, a youngster who of Jamaican parents. I thought one of his parents was Jamaican and the other one came from another island. But of late, over the last couple of years, I have seen evidence that both his parents were Jamaicans. He said it. Went to Olmas. That's, where, that, that's when he learned the music that he was living in as a, as a teenager, as a youngster in Kingston. The late Manny Campbell told me that as a, he would come down to downtown here by down Beeson Street, where the musicians them hang out uh, uh, and, 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 and get what little he could get when, you know, sneaking out of uptown. But that is where he was exposed to, that took him to America, that he became a superstar. You know the amount of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that Belafonte has caused from all over Europe and America to come to Jamaica and the rest of the Caribbean. So he was really the first icon and gave us another icon in, in Bob Marley. So, I mean, you have to recognize what Jamaica has produced and given. And if you do recognize and appreciate that, then there is no reason why Kingston should be in the state that Kingston is, you know. Kingston, by all right, should be a cultural tourism destination from that time. Because it was Kingston that gave birth to Belafonte. It was Kingston that gave birth to Ska, that went into England and, and, and got all of the, 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 the music that was um, the youths them all over the world now. I think I read recently that there's like nearly 2,000 Ska bands <laughs> playing all over the place. It came out of Kingston. As great as America is and all the music that we got from America. But American music came from different cities, from different geographic locations, from a population of over 300 million. Yeah. Jamaica is just barely making 3 million here. They say they have another 3 million in the diaspora. But it's still Kingston. All of that came out of Kingston. And if the powers that be, the politicians who make, but you know what it is, you know what it is, Dennis? Tell you the truth. It's the same confinement. And 
maybe I shouldn't be saying these things because I work now at another level, you know, and I have to deal with the private sector, I have to deal with government, what have you. But I, as I said in the beginning, it's really a legacy of colonialism that is, is, is holding us back still, that is, 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 is impacting the negative approach to the let's let, let's let's look forward yeah let, let's look on what it should be for these youths uh, we you as a senior academic who is from the bowels of the working class you myself who have been fortunate to have traveled to have been exposed and know the truth. It is for us to fight in terms of the work that we are doing, to bring it to the fore and let them understand that it has to change. It has to change to be of benefit of the people from whom this valuable creativity came from. It must change because if it doesn't change, it's going to be a lot of blood running in the streets and we don't want that. We definitely don't want that. So we have to do what is positive and to bring to the fore the things that are right and proper for Kingston, for Jamaica. Excuse me. Beginning with the mission we're on right now, we have to make them both in Jamaica and internationally, recognize and realize that Kingston, Jamaica, is a special place in terms of the due recognition for the culture that has emerged from Kingston. It's not just Trenchtown because Bob Marley and, it, uh, uh, and some dreadlocks and, you know, people who are a prominence who yeah. did their due but reggae Bob music. Bob is a countryman. Yeah. They live in downtown too, uh, uh, exclusively at Trenchtown. Absolutely not. Right. If I mean, this was in downtown. Street, right. <laughs> Translated. Right down Orange Street, King Street. King Street. Right. Yeah. That's where I interviewed him. Yeah. That's where we usually smoke. Like on a Friday, there was an open lot, I think, at Beeson Street and Orange Street. And when I come down, like on a Friday, I, I would spend time with them reasoning and smoking the good weed in downtown Kingston. Yeah. This is in the late 60s. So we have to recognize the value of what it is that we have and how the people, the community, the generations here now and to come will benefit from that. Now, they have a, a work that they have to do in, the, in, in, in these environments. But they're turning on themselves and warring against themselves because they're frustrated. Uh, they really see no hope, no future. When you reach 20-something and you have three, four children and don't know where the next dollar coming from, to, you'll do whatever you think that is right for you to do because you don't really have no hope. We have to give them that hope. We have to show them the opportunity. Yeah. We have to show them the value of what it is that they have from where they come from. And I'm saying that the culture is that value. 
you have to implement ways and means wherein dollars will come in behind the value. There are millions of people who travel the world as tourists, as visitors, just pursuing cultures. The, the, the days of, of sand, beaches, and hotels long over. are long over. Long over. And, 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 and it's unfortunate that our, our authorities and our sector yeah. don't seem to realize that. They, they, they try, still, try, still trying to, to push that. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, but nobody is trying I, to I, I, Yeah, I, I must say though, and that is why I, I have to give credence to that because. Uh, for the last couple of years I've been, well, the documentary film that we're working on here now, I started putting that together from 2015 about respect due of the, from 2015. And it has been a struggle until the last year, I would say, to get the powers that be to understand that these are things that must be financed. When we do a documentary film on Jamaican popular music, it goes around outside the world. And same way how Belafonte in the 50s and Bob Marley afterward induced and encouraged and inspired people to travel from wherever to come to Jamaica for that. Is what we are doing with our film in terms of what the Jamaican popular music is about. From whence it came, who made it happen, and for them to come to see from whence it came and who made it happen. That is really what the drive is that we are on. And as I just said, and I think, I, 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 I am hopeful. I am really even a bit more than hopeful now. Because I am, I am getting people to respond in terms of, as I said, put, put your money where your mouth is. You dig? And I am seeing that. It's, it's still a struggle. It shouldn't be what it is. But Alhamdulillah, we still have health and strength to, sure. you know. <laughs> but, but before we close, I want you to tell us and give us a, a, a look back at something that sometimes a lot of misinformation is about. Yeah. The development of the genres. We, we love to talk um, a kind of one-sided way about how the genres developed and what was what and every time a genre start yeah. and you are you are up front with a lot of them and, and, and in a position to see what was happening yeah. uh, when when scare was was just that there was a lot of opposition to it yeah because of the, the, the neo-colonial type of mentality yeah they, when they, they, started it was a similar thing yeah when reggae started it was a similar thing yeah. and then so the, that is that then there's the issue of who invented this and who invented that it's, it's and who come up with the name it's nonsense. and all kind of things. It's nonsense. It's, it's nonsense. We really. know how music works and we know the creativity. 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 Not Kungas. Nonsense. Not that not, not really. like it's, just, yeah. it's straight up. Yeah. It's straight up. I mean, take for example, reggae. Yeah. Be specific. Yeah. I hear great musicians like Ernie Ranglin and Tootsie Burt and others take it clean. Yeah. The creative force and the creative energy doesn't operate like that. It doesn't strike any one person exclusively. It, it, it evolves, right? Somebody may make a suggestion in a, in a studio 
session. In a session. Yeah. Um, sometime on a weed camp. Yeah. It, 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 it evolves. So you will find that there's no one producer. I, I saw a documentary recently with all due respect to the great um, Bonnie Stryker. But Bonnie has been claiming so many things that you wonder. And I know Bonnie knows better than what he's saying. Because I was with him on Orange Street. Yeah. We were very close until his death. And you, can't, you have to look at the social and economic dynamics of the time is what drive. It's not no one person for say, well then, boy, I was a man who played the first cat note and, yeah. you know, uh, this and that. Another, another <coughs> issue is that sometimes they try to undervalue the contribution of a lot of the producers like Coxman, and Duke Reed and all of them things here. It's stupid. And here I counter that. Everybody has a distinctive sound. Of course. So why do they have a distinctive sound if it's just us, the musician? Of course. And the musicians are the same musicians? Of course. It's, it's foolishness. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 and that is why I, I spent a lot of time to, um, even to the extent that I remember one time when I went, excuse me, um, Duke sent word to me that he wanted to meet me, well, meet Julia Jingles, Duke Reed, I'm talking. And what it is is that Duke felt that Although I was covering his artists, you know, like the Melodians and whoever at the time was recording, I covered them. And, but he just felt that I was maybe covering too much of Coxon's, the Studio One artist. But for me, personally, Studio One was always putting out a higher volume of that quality music than any other one is, for me, even as a sound system operator. I was more induced to Coxon's downbeat than as great as Prince Buster All-Star was or King Edward or Treasure Isle. They all had their due. But I think it's a, it's a human conditioning that is not too right. It's just a human frailty that everybody is seeking that big up. It's the, it's the kind of environment that we are in now. It, it's the kind of environment that we're in now. Yes. Where Yes. You know why? Yes. Because the musicians never accepted it, yeah. nor the producer. Yes. But w um, there are great innovations yes. that nobody will ever know uh, about. Yeah, yeah. And this is across all All, all, all projects, yes. But it is about what, what a group of people decide to say, oh, this, this is, is what we're going to go with. with. Precisely. So even if one individual man come in yeah. and say, oh, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's supported. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, clearly, and and it, it it it's for us to point these things out. And I'm sure that there are other people who recognize these things, but we have to emphasize this that the one-manship thing and you know me do this and me do that and you do what you do, and the music comes out and the music has captured world attention and is evolving. 
it continues to. So we just have to, as I said, I, I think the mission that I'm on right now is to see the community benefiting. That it is time. One of the things that prompted me about coming in to set up the Sounds and Pressure Foundation was really after my wife and I, God rest her soul, went to New Orleans. We know about New Orleans. We know the importance of New Orleans and its impact on Jamaican music. But after we went there for six days and spent time there, and what struck us that the similar geographic space, similarity in many things in terms of the music, the food, the cultural vibrances, and to see that that same situation as Kingston was bringing in billions of dollars a year through that, and Jamaica Kingston wasn't even getting a cent. We even had the same kind of the funeral Arbor. procession. Yes, funeral procession. yes, <laughs> yes. Harbor, the, the, the two harbors, because New Orleans and Kingston is like two of the biggest city harbors in terms of you know the layout and what yeah, have you. Yeah. So the similarities were all there, yet still New Orleans was generating through cultural tourism over five billion with a B, and Kingston is struggling still until to this day. Man. Our industry told people not to come to Kingston. Remember those days? Of course. Still, less, but it shouldn't be happening at all. All right, Jingles, we're gonna wrap up now. So, uh, tell me, tell me, you, as you reflect on your, your journey so far, what 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 stand out to you, and 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 how you see, you answer that, and then how uh, you see, uh, you started it, but I wanted to complete. Where you see us going as a as a people and as a culture and, 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 and even the issue of Kingston. So reflect on your journey. Um, my journey has been long. Um, over 50 years. And a struggle still is. Like I said, I am now getting things accomplished now. That should have been like 10 years at least before if not even before that. But I, 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 I see a brighter future. I have to. Because the, the, the opposition and the naysayers and things that I would be getting five, six, seven, eight, ten years ago, I am not really getting that to that extent anymore. So I give thanks for that. There, there are people now who make decisions, who are prepared not just to listen, but to also expend the dollars that are required to make things happen, to make things change. And, and, and we need to push that some more. Uh, we need for Kingston to be recognized as a cultural tourism destination. We must do that. Yeah. Or we will always be backward. You can't have a city like Kingston that has given you, like I said before, so many popular genres of music over 70 years. And you, you're trying to prevent people from coming here to, 
to, to see what it is that has been doing that, man. You have to share that. Yeah. You must share that. You have to get rid of that kind of attitude and behavior. What about the, the, the crime and the, the underdevelopment in most of the It has to be addressed. That, that it, the it, it, it has to be addressed. And, and you address that with posit doing positive things, I think. You address that because that's another similarity that I found out. New Orleans, which is believed to be one of the most crime-ridden cities in the United States of America, was attracting over five billion with a B dollars by cultural tourism. Crime was still there. Crime is still there till today. But they know how to contain that and how not to make that be of detriment to generating the revenues to build the city, to build the communities. It has to be like that. Yeah. You have to move in the positive direction, um, give the youths them an opportunity to earn from an industry that is an outbird of the music, the creative industry. The cultural industry is what drives these cities, is what drives New Orleans, is what drives Memphis, is what drives New York, London. Name it. Yeah. It drives them. Sydney. It drives them. Yeah. So why not Kingston? Yeah. With, with, with maybe the most spectacular record of them all. Yeah. Given the geographic space, given the number of people, and yet still, imagine, man, you put out so many genres of music that have impacted the entire world. Stop for a moment and say, well, then, something has to be different about this space that yeah. makes that happen. So what can we do to encourage that yeah, sure. and discourage the negatives? All right, Jingles. My brother. Great talking to you. Same here. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. I didn't know it would have been this long, but <laughs> it was good. It was good. Yeah, it was definitely. good. I enjoyed it too. All right. Blessed love. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please subscribe to the show and give us a five-star review and even drop us a comment if something really stood out to you.